0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. We've been in a series going through the book of Ephesians, chapter by chapter each week. Uh, This week we're on Ephesians 3, but let me back us up for just a second and to kind of bring us all um, into the right mindset, the right framework of this. Uh, Ephesians 1, uh, Paul just drops uh, all of these like theological bombs in Ephesians 1. It talks about how uh, we're, we're grafted into this family of God, that we're blessed by the Father, we're adopted and redeemed by Christ, and then sealed and empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, to do the works that he prepared for us in advance. Um, and then last week, Ephesians 2, um, Alan, didn't Alan preach an incredible message? For real, Alan, we appreciate you. We celebrate you, brother. Um, I, I'm not even going to be able to get into summarize all that Alan taught, uh, but I love this imagery. He talks about how the, the, the brokenness of the world and our sin is just a backdrop Uh, For God's grace um, to to be revealed to us, and so he he walked us through Ephesians two, talking about prioritizing ourselves up and opening ourselves up to the supernatural, understanding the power of Jesus's blood, Um, and so that is kind of where we're the framework as we walk into Ephesians uh, three. But before we do that. Growing up, like uh, if you, you grew up in the 50s and 60s and traveled in a vehicle, wildly different than today. Like if you, you remember the station wagon that had that rear seat that looked the opposite way, you had a totally different view of the road trip than everyone else in the family. Like we used to like, I used to lay down in the back seat of the van and like sleep on road trips uh, or sometimes even like in the trunk in the very back. Don't judge my mom, she's here, but uh, it was perfectly like safe in the 90s. Like that's just what we did. We used to ride in the back of a pickup truck. I know. Oh, yeah. You get DSS and the police called on you right now if you even, like, put your kid in there while it's parked. Um, but, but seat belts used to not be required. In fact, in the 50s and 60s, uh, they just had lap belts, and they weren't even required. And so they're like, hey, we, we, uh, that protects, like, your lower half, but what about your upper half? And so uh, there was an American uh, inventor, and engineer, that uh, in 1951, he designed uh, an uncomfortable three-point harness, but it didn't stick because it was super clunky to wear. No one liked it. And so Volvo came along, and they actually hired an engineer who helped develop ejection seats for pilots. You're like, that's probably a smart guy. I want him on the team. And so he developed uh, what we now have the privilege of having the three-point harness, um, you know, the one that goes across, you know, that whole thing. Not the automatic track one. Do you remember that one? That was a sleeper, right? No one you used to get into a car. You didn't know your friends had that one. You got like choked and like pulled into the back seat almost. Kids Google it. All right. Um, but so in 1959, they developed and Volvo put what we know as a modern seatbelt in their cars. They actually put it in the car before the mentor even had the patent paperwork finished before they even had the patent. And then you know what they did? Here's what's here's the, the cool part of the story. They took this technology that they were patenting and they released it publicly to the world. And they urged every other automaker to put this technology in your car because it saves lives. What could have made them millions and millions of dollars, they said, this piece of information is too valuable for us to hold on to ourselves and for us to have the corner on the market and gave it away. And what we have in our cars, thank you, Volvo, is due to their pioneering. Now, why do I bring this up? Am I just a car fanatic? No. Um, Ephesians 3, uh, Paul begins with this message when he's talking about the good news. And he's saying that, hey, it's, it's no longer just for the Jew, but it's also for the Gentile. It's too important of a message for it to just be for a, a select group of people. But, but God is, is, has called me to declare this. And for most of us in the room, that's, that's a good thing, because we're Gentiles, that we're, we're not part of the Jewish uh, lineage and that we get to partake in this gospel message. And so um, that's what we're going to unpack in just a minute. Um, but give us some context. Remember... Uh, the church at Ephesus, which Paul is writing this letter to, uh, is a massive city, probably the fourth largest in the Roman Empire at the time. Uh, It was a city of of, uh, a massive temple that they would worship at, uh, not like followers of Jesus, uh, that they would worship at. And it was a, uh, a, a lot of pagan society. Um, Radical change took place. In fact, when when people received the gospel, when they heard about the the the, the work of Jesus, uh, there's in Acts you can read is that basically all these people got together and their books on witchcraft and sorcery. They had this massive book burning, and it was well over a million dollars worth of books that they burned. And so it wasn't just like. I grew up in church. My parents always took me to church. I was introduced to the church before I was introduced to Jesus. I know about this. It was people who did one thing with their life. They heard the gospel and their life was radically changed. So that's who who he's talking to. That's who the, the audience of this letter is, is people whose lives have been transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus. So we're gonna dive in. Let me pray for us and then we'll we'll begin to unpack God's word. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. God, we we stop in this moment. We put aside our um, put aside everything else that is going on in our heart and our mind. All this stuff later on to do today. God, what we need is you. We need you to speak to us through your word. We pray that your holy spirit uh, would reveal your words. God, we know that this 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 book is alive and it's active and has the power to change and to transform us. And so God, I pray that you would guide our time together. Lord, that you would speak through me as we look at what you want us to hear and how you want us to change and be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you have your copy of the scripture, Ephesians chapter three. If not, if you wanna click there on your phone, we're reading from the NIV, the New International Version. Uh, Ephesians 3, and we'll start in verse 1. And we're going to go through all of it, but there's three points. So it could be shorter. It could not be. Who knows? Um, We'll just see what happens. All right, verse 1. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation of Christ Jesus. Let's pause right there for a second. Um, now, one, Paul is not being dramatic when he's talking about being a prisoner. Remember, he is in prison right now. So when he talks about being a prisoner of Christ, he's, he's almost like, hey, I can be enslaved by, uh, by the Roman government, but I'm, I'm a slave to the work of Jesus. I'm a slave to the message of Jesus. I'm a, I'm a slave to Jesus. Um, and Okay, they, he was allowed some privileges to roam about the house during the day, but at night, every night, Paul was chained to a guard all night long. Now, like, we live a very comfortable life, and we would, we would probably start this letter out complaining and remember about the, you know, the, the chafing on our arms or all this kind of stuff. Like, we, we live a very comfortable life uh, about the outrage and how unjust, but he just starts, he's like, hey, uh, for this reason, I'm a prisoner of the gospel, um, he's a servant. That same word is this idea of like a waiter. As a waiter would serve to your table when you go out to eat. And as Christians, you're gonna tip people uh, because you represent Christ, right? All the people in the service industry said amen. Um, but it's this posture of a servant. It's this posture of a, of a waiter. He's saying, I'm a, I'm a servant of the gospel. I'm a servant of this message. Uh, and so the first thing that we're gonna pull from this text is that the gospel is the only thing that can actually bring unity. The gospel is the only thing that can actually, actually bring unity. Um, I love this. And, um, this idea where he's talking about the the gifts of grace. Uh, I'll talk about that later. All right. Uh, Actually bring unity. So the, the, we have to understand the, the difference with, with the Jew and the Gentile for just a moment because we, we kind of read over it, we gloss over it. It doesn't mean a whole lot to us today in our culture, in our context. Uh, but, but when we talk about Jewish people, it was those descended from the original 12 tribes of Israel, the, the Jewish descendants, um, God's chosen people, the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Gentiles were everyone else. Uh, it was, it, they, were, they were looked down upon. They were unclean. They were not God's chosen people. And the difference between the two was in everything. It was in the way they eat, the way they washed, the, the, what they listened to, their art, their music, their, um, their, their, their being, their doing. Uh, even their architecture was different. Um, how they worship, how they dressed. Um, at the center of Jewish culture was the Hebrew scriptures. And it was, about, um, it was about God. And it was about life revolving around the transcendent God who created the universe and everything in it. Um, whereas the, the Gentiles, it was like this free-for-all between a blending of Greek and Roman mythology and kind of choose-your-own-adventure in this. Um, and Paul is reminding him the privilege that he has been given uh, as an ambassador of the gospel. Uh, what's interesting, too, is you see uh, Jesus' first interaction with the Gentiles. So there's, there's animosity between the two people groups. Uh, The Jewish people were God's chosen people. They looked down upon the Gentiles. They were unclean. They were unfit. There was was a a harsh animosity between the two. Now, Jesus' first interaction in his ministry uh, was the story of the Roman centurion who comes to Jesus and says, my child is sick. Um, And so Jesus is going. He says, you don't even need to go to my house. Just say the word and he'll be healed. And what Jesus says in that moment is that I've not seen a faith greater than this in all of Israel, was offensive to the Jewish people. Because they're like, this unclean Gentile you're saying has more faith than us that have, that have grown in the lineage of Israel? And so it was totally flipping things on its head. Jesus always took like what we see as a social hierarchy and flipped it over. He said, no, 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 the last is gonna be first. None of the greatest is the least. And he, he, he isolates that. Um, there has always been hostility between people groups. Um, racism is not a 20th century thing. Um, there, it, it is gone since the beginning of time. There has always been people group opposed to people group. And let me just, let me just say this out the gate. There is zero room for racism in the kingdom of God. It is demonic, it is from the enemy, and it does not belong in the kingdom of God. And throughout time, there's always been, uh, there's always been conflict. There's always been, uh, we see it played out on the news right now between Israel and Hamas. We, we, we see it with Russia and Ukraine. That there's always people groups that are in staunch opposition to one another. And so what brings unity? It's not people groups. It's not what your hobby is. Your hobby is not gonna unify everyone. It's not even your sports team. We're We're all mourning in South Carolina today because both of our teams lost. Like That doesn't unite us. What brings unity? The only thing that is powerful enough, that is firm enough, that is sure enough to actually bridge and to bring unity is the message of the gospel. That's it. Because everyone who receives the gospel comes to the table of grace knowing that I deserve death But God, so rich in mercy, forgave my sins and sets my feet on solid ground and gives me a hope, gives me a future and gives me eternity with him in heaven. No one comes to the table saying, well, I earned my way here or because of my grandfather's grant. No, no, no. Everyone comes to the table. I was dead in sin, but God. And that's what unifies people. It's not hobby, it's it's, it's not even what we like, it's not the ethnicity, our skin color, our nationality. None of that unifies, what unifies people, what unifies us is the gospel message. It's the only thing that's central enough. Um, In the very beginning of uh, Renovation Church, before Renovation Greenville existed, we were just in Simpsonville and, and when we were about a month old, uh, we had a desire to start up a, a preschool, a, a daycare. And uh, we looked around, we couldn't find anything. And um, through a mutual connection of another church, we had someone from, uh, from another church approach us and say, hey, we actually used to have a preschool that just shut down. We have an entire wing of our church that's not being used. It's outfitted, it's got classrooms, it's got, uh, it's got stuff in it, it's like, it's painted, it looks nice, you don't have to scare away rats in it. It's like, it's nice, it's, and uh and, and this church, uh, the church's name is actually Bethlehem Baptist Church. It's a predominantly African-American church. And we're like, this is awesome. We would, we would love to, to utilize this space. We'd love to rent it from you guys. And what started as the, this, this church body and church body working together has become this beautiful relationship with us. And what unifies us is, is not our style of, of worship, it's not the style of preaching. It's not how long the preacher preaches. What unifies us is the message of the gospel. And what's cool, is our, our, our daycare is called Little Town because it's at Bethlehem. Little Town at Bethlehem, get it? Yeah, I wasn't smart enough to come with that. Someone else did. Um, but it's, it's been so cool to see how the gospel breaks down cultural barriers. It breaks down racial barriers. It breaks down all of it. And we've, we've joined together for worship nights together. We've, we've done events together. We've been able to bless one another. And in fact, I want to invite you. We have another event coming up on the 27th. Uh, we are actually, we haven't done this since COVID. Uh, it's Hallelujah Night. And what they do is they do this giant uh, outreach to the community. There's moon bounces. There's chunk retreats. Uh, there's cakewalks. They throw down on some cakewalks, y'all. Like that's a sleeper. You need to get in on that. Uh, but it's just this beautiful thing of, of two church bodies coming together, working side by side to share the love of Jesus with the community. And so if you want to be a part and you just want to come, you should come. Details are on the screen, I think. Yes, they are. Um, or if you want to, if you want to be a part, you can uh, decorate your trunk. You can uh, donate candy. You can sign up to work on Moon Bounce if you want. Go to the church website for all those details, um, but do that. But this is just a, a beautiful thing. And, and when you see two churches that vary in style, that vary in the gospel is the most important thing. And I think what a beautiful thing to a, a world that's in chaos and a world that f- is fueled by animosity for the church to say, hey, we found common ground. It's called Jesus. And that is what we build our life on. And that is what our message that we declare. And that is why we are here. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Verse seven. Paul goes on, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ." and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which the ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, We may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings uh, for you, which are for your glory. All right, pause real quick. Uh, The second truth that jumps out is that the church displays the beauty and the wisdom of the gospel to the world. The church displays the beauty and wisdom of the gospel to the world around us. The purpose of, of this, the, this manifold wisdom, this the adjective in the Greek, I'm not gonna try to uh, butcher that word, uh, but it's this this idea of beauty of like an embroidered pattern or variety of colors. It's like this, uh, it, it's kind of like if you have a flashlight and you shine it through a prism. Remember that growing up? Um, and now it's like a white light and then it goes to the prism and then you see a rainbow. And just as in, uh, in Peter, when he talks about... Um, That God has given us gifts to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms, meaning that like that light isn't just white. It contains the broad spectrum of all visible light within it. But when it goes through a prism, it refracts it and it separates it out into its individual colors. He's saying this manifold wisdom is like this, uh, you're, you're taking all of the, the, the different individual flowers and you're putting them into this giant bouquet that's, like, that's greater than the, the sum of the individual. He's saying this word he's using, this manifold wisdom, is like this explosion of it, this expression of all of it. It's, it's not just a part um, And then it says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's a whole lot to unpack. Saying that the church brings wisdom to the powers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I love what this commentary said by Hadley Mool. He says, what then have they to learn from us? Ah, they have to learn something which makes them watch us with wonder and awe. They see us um, indeed in all our weakness and all our sin, but they see a nature which wrecked by itself was yet made in the image of their God and ours. And they see this God at work upon the wreck to produce results, not only wonderful in themselves, but doubly, but doubly wonderful because of the conditions. Um, he's saying that, that, that as the church is the church, that we get to be a part of this mystery. And when he talks about mystery, the mystery, you're like, what's the mystery? The mystery is that the gospel is not just for Jew, but it's for Gentile. And that Paul had this privilege that Jesus commissioned him to go and to, to teach this not just to the Jew, but to the Gentile. And that we, we get to have the gospel message because of um, God calling him to do that. Um, and then I love this in verse 12. It says, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And there's a huge difference between how my kids approach the front door of my house versus how a delivery person or a stranger does. Hopefully, if not, that'd be weird, right? Like just, poof, just kicking it down. Like my kids barrel through. One of my favorite things is um, I, I work out of our, our bonus room. I created kind of an office up there. And I'm, I, in front of a window, I look down into our driveway and when my wife will pull up with the kids from school, um, several of them will like, you'll see doors, cause they know I'm upstairs, and so you'll see the doors fly open, they'll barrel through the front door, drop stuff, and it's like a herd of elephants running up the stairs into the bonus room, and they jump off this little ledge cause it drops down, and like try to tackle me. Like, I, I love it. And sometimes they try to sneak up, but they're kids, so they don't sneak well. It's like, shh, you know? And so then I hide, and I jump out and scare them, cause that's what I do, I'm a dad. Um, but I, I love it. Like, they, they, it's not like they didn't stand at the door and knock. Like, is it okay to come in, Father? You know, you know they're just kicking down doors and running and tackling, and, 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 and I love that part of my day. I love when they do that. Um, servants and slaves don't approach a king like a son or daughter does, there's a difference. And he's saying, because of Christ, because of what he did to us, he did for us, that we get to boldly approach the throne of grace. He said, we, we get to, uh, may approach God with freedom and with confidence. The whole essence of the Old Testament is that, is that we couldn't approach God. In fact, the, the high priest one day a year could actually be in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. That's it. They tied a rope around his ankle in case he dropped dead because they couldn't go in and get him. And and, and here this message is like, no, because because of the work of Christ, you get to boldly approach the throne of grace. You get to approach your your Abba Father. You get to pray. You get to have relationship with him. And then Paul goes on to say, uh, don't be discouraged because of his suffering, um, which he's encouraging while he's in chains, which is just, he's awesome, right? It, the reason that he's in chained is because when he was in Jerusalem, uh, he, he was preaching that this message isn't just for the Jew, but it's for the Gentile. So then he's like, he's in prison for doing that. And then he's reminding them of, of why he's doing this. And so it's like this whole full circle moment. Okay, I'm turning out for a second. All right, let's keep going. Verse 14, let's conclude. He says, for this reason, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we may all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And lastly, the third thing, is that the cornerstone of spiritual maturity is knowing the love of Christ. The cornerstone of spiritual maturity is knowing the love of Christ. As Paul sets that up, you, he's, he's like, man, I wish, I wish that you had the power together with all God's people to grasp, and you think, like, to grasp the power that we have or to grasp, like, the miraculous, like, work of the Holy Spirit on us. But he's like, I wish out of everything that you had the power to grasp how huge God's love is. He's like, out of, out of everything, this, this huge emphasis is to understand the, the brevity, the width, height, depth, intensity of the love of Jesus. You think, well, why? Like, that seems like it's a basic thing, right? It seems like that's, that's like day one Christianity. God loves you. He's saying he wants us to know that because we, we can't isolate the character of God. There, there's so much about who God is. There, there's so many aspects of who he is. But if we don't understand love, we won't have a proper understanding. Like if we understand his power, but we don't have the lens of his love, we will see him as this all powerful force, this, this like cosmic force that we have no relationship with. If we understand his holiness, that he is separate, but we don't have the lens of his love, then he's unapproachable because we'll just melt before him. We, we have to have, if we, we understand that he's just, but we don't understand through the lens of his love that he's also merciful, that he doesn't give us what we deserve. So we we have to understand he's saying like you're, if you dug into the well, into the mine of the love of Jesus, you're never going to find the end of it. His prayer is that we would grow in more and more knowledge of his, that that, the idea of like infinite is, is, is a weird concept for us, I think. Because like infinitely small, like infinitely microscopic is kind of like the more technology they have, the more that we can see, we could see in the cells and we can see in the atoms and we can see into like, you know, like quarks and neutrinos and all these like super microscopic stuff that like we just could never see before. And it's, it's mind numbing to think about, but it's also at the same time, it's somewhat comfortable because we're still big. And so we're okay with the idea of, of creation being microscopically infinite. But when we think about infinitely big, it kind of puts us at ease. If you ever watched one of those videos, I was gonna do it this morning, but I figured you wouldn't nerd out as much as I would. Um, when you look at the videos of like the, the, the comparison of planets and stars and space to, to, to us, like it's just, your mind can't fathom it. If you haven't, if you find 10 minutes, go find, look it up on YouTube. Um, but that is hard for us to wrap our minds around because we feel really small because when we realize that God is infinitely big, we're reminded that we are infinitely small. And he's saying that this immeasurable uh, thing, this, this, that, that Paul was saying that the love of Christ has, has, substance. It's, it's got width, it's got brevity, it's got height, it's got depth, um, our completeness is in direct revelation to the revelation to the um, understanding of of the love of Jesus. He's saying, then you'll be made complete. Um, they uh, last week they launched uh, a satellite, um, a space a rocket to go to. I'm sounding really smart right now. Space rocket, uh, as opposed to an Earth rocket. They they sent it to space. Uh, to look at this asteroid named Psyche. In fact, I got a picture of it because you guys are on the edge of your seats wanting to see it. Um, there it is. Uh, so they, they launched it last week. It's going to arrive in 2029. Um, it's like a long waiting game. So it's going to loop around Mars, slingshot, kind of it's going to arrive here. Um, you're like, why is this important information, Matt? Uh, it's like two to 300 mile, million miles away from the sun in its orbit. But Based on the metal content of this asteroid, it's made up highly of nickel and iron, they estimate it to be worth $100 quadrillion. Yeah, you're like, that number doesn't, it's enough money for everyone on planet Earth to be a billionaire, and some. So we all could be billionaires, all right? Uh, all we need to do is bring this sucker back. It's actually worth more than the world's economy. So it would actually crash things and it would be invaluable. It would be worthless at that moment. Um, but they're gonna study this thing and they're not actually gonna bring any of it back. You're like, that's a wasted opportunity, right? Just bring back a little bit. If it's worth so much, bring back some of it. Like it's just gonna hover around this for a while and then it's gonna either disintegrate or maybe come back to earth. I don't know what it's gonna do after that. I didn't finish the article. Um, <laughs> probably should have in this moment. Um But it's gonna travel all of that way till 2029 just to look at it, just to be around it. And I wonder how similar for us as we walk planet earth, when we hear about the gospel, when we hear about the immeasurable love of Jesus, when you can grow up knowing of God, when you can grow up in the church and not actually land it yourself. It's just this ethereal thing. Instead of seeing the the value of what Jesus did for you and I and actually letting it be substance in your life, because here's the reality, my friends. There's, There's two realities of life, right? Death and taxes, every single one of us will breathe a last time. And in that moment, there's a reality of two eternities. There's one that is in complete bliss and joy eternally in the presence of your creator, of your heavenly father, where there is no sorrow, where there's no weeping, where there is no uh, disease, where there's no heartache. And the other reality, the other eternity is one that is separate from God. It is absent of joy. It is absent of peace where there is torment, where there is a lack of everything good. And the determination between one or the other is is not based on who your parents were. It's not based on what church you went to. It's not based on the good things that you may have done in your life. The deciding factor between one and the other is the reality of whether that was enough substance for you to, to make Jesus Lord and Savior. That's it. It's whether or not you saw the immeasurable worth of Christ, whether or not you realized that he died for you, That he came not to just make your life okay, but he came to bring you back from the dead. He prayed to give you life. And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And Paul ends with this. He says, he says, so now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we may ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. The Bible's clear that those that confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead shall be saved. Meaning that the the, the entryway for that is that you believe that Jesus died for you. That's why we gather. We don't just gather because we're like, I got several hours to kill on a Sunday. We gather because we're a people who were dead once, but God brought us back to life and gave us a purpose so that we can walk this earth. And my hope and prayer is that if you've never made that decision, that today would be your day. That you wouldn't just keep orbiting around this idea of of who God may be, but you would actually land on the surface and today you would say, you know what, Jesus? I don't know everything about you. But I know that there's nothing that I can do to get right with God. And I need an outside force to step into my story and to forgive me and to redeem me and to make me alive. So church, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we can't earn our way into your presence. We thank you that we can't do enough but it is only by our surrender to what you did for us. You came and that you lived a perfect life, that you willingly submitted yourself to death on the cross, to humiliation, to beating, and that it was your sinless life that atoned the penalty of our sin. Said so all those that confess that Jesus is Lord may have life, that we will be saved. Even when I think back about my own life and the wreck that I was, unworthy of your love, undeserving of grace, but yet God you lavished it upon us. So Lord, I pray that as a changed people, that we would live it out. That we would realize that the gospel is what center, that, that unifies us. That we would understand the privilege that we have to be bearers of this good news. And if anyone here has not made that decision, then you want to make that decision today. It's not about joining a church or religion. It's about simply understanding part of your story, understanding that that we are dead because of our sin. And Jesus came to set you free from the curse of death and the grave. And I pray that you would have the courage to take that step today. Lord, help us to be a people who honor you, who celebrate you. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.